You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning, church. The scripture today is taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, verses 16 and 17, 28 and 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stumbly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? This is the word of the Lord. A very good morning, Agape, and uh, to all of you at home, a uh, very good morning as well, and a happy new year to you as uh, also, I mean, it's a, it's a little early, but you know, 2021 is right around the corner, and the big question for all of us is, are we ready? Now, this is usually the time of year where there's a big fuss about New Year's resolutions and plans and, and things like that. And especially you see that over social media. But this year, things are unusually quiet. Now, it just doesn't seem like the time and the place for, uh, to make life-altering resolutions or to go for bold plans and goals. And I think we've learned a precious truth during this pandemic season. James chapter 4, verse 13 to 15, it puts it like this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now we've learned the hard way that we are really, we are so not in control. All that we hope to do in the coming year is entirely subject to God's will. It will be according to what He wants and what He prioritizes. And perhaps that is why the scriptures call us to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and everything else will be added unto us. So we are not in the driver's seat of our lives. So why not seek the will of God in 2021. In 2021, why not invest yourself in what God would desire of you? Why not pursue eternal fruitfulness over temporal success? So over these five Sundays, Pastor Tation and I will be bringing you messages to help stir up in you God-directed ambitions and goals. And our hope is that these sermons would help position you to grow deep and to go far, both individually and as a covenant church community. And so today we begin by looking at the Word of God. And more specifically, I want to talk about our attitude towards the Word of God. Any discussion about growing in godly fruitfulness, uh, it must first begin with a stock take of our present attitude towards the Word of God. It is fundamental that we take a closer look at our heart posture towards God's Word 
before we look at anything else. And so from Jeremiah 23, I'm going to lead us into two sections. Firstly, as we round out 2020, uh, I think it is only right that we ask ourselves some reflection questions about our attitudes towards the Word of God. Once we have done that, I want to give us direction for 2021 uh, with these four encouragements in our attitudes towards the Word of God. So if you are ready, uh, let me give you the first reflection question, which is this. How do you approach God's Word? How do you approach God's Word? Now this is a very basic, very fundamental question. And in verse 16, Jeremiah begins with these words. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Now, Jeremiah wants us to know that God is the one who is speaking here. Uh, these words that are written, uh, these are not Jeremiah's own words. These are not Jeremiah's own ideas. But then again, why does Jeremiah address God as the Lord of hosts? Well, you see, the Lord of hosts, it's a, it's a military title. It tells us that God is the commander-in-chief over the angelic battalions of heaven and over the hordes of human armies on the earth and as well as over every force in nature. And so when the Lord of hosts speaks, no matter who you are, you listen. There are no two ways about it. And Jeremiah is telling us to receive God's word as authoritative. First and foremost, God's word carries God's authority. And you know, sometimes we think that God speaks to us primarily as the God of love. He's like the father who we should listen to because he wants what is best for us. Other times we think that God speaks to us primarily as the God of wisdom. And he's like a wise guru that we should listen to because he knows better than us. And while God is the God of love and the God of wisdom, yet what we fail to understand is that God is first and foremost God. He is holy. He is not just another guy giving another opinion about a certain matter. He is the God of all authority and we must listen to Him because He is infinitely greater and He is gloriously exalted and He is eternally irrepressible. And so as you look back on 2020, how have you approached the Word of God? Let's move now to the second question. Is God's Word the source of hope for you? Is God's Word the source of hope for you? Now we've come to the Lord of hosts, but what did the Lord of hosts have to say to us? We continue with verse 16. He says, Do not listen to the words of the prophet who prophesy to you. The God of all authority commands his people not to listen to the prophets around them. And this is a strong command. You see, God could have just said, Don't listen to the prophets, full stop. But instead, God makes his command so repetitious, so specific so that people cannot misunderstand him in any way. And God gives even a reason for this command. He says that these prophets were filling the people with vain hopes. 
They were making empty promises to the people. They were giving people false hope for the future. Now, currently in uh, America, there is a bit of a controversy going on within Christian circles. You see, during the, the recent presidential elections, uh, numerous Christian leaders, pastors, uh, famous prophets or so-called prophets, they had gone around telling people that God had told them that this and that would happen over the course of the elections. Eventually, though, these things did not happen. And so the people who had heard these prophets, the people who had believed uh, these prophets, uh, they had put their hopes in the promises and the predictions that these guys had made. But at the end of the whole thing, they found that their hopes were placed in vain. Now, this is a picture of what was going on in Jeremiah's time. There were false prophets who were leading people to hope in things that were never going to happen. And because the people were not looking to God's word as the source of hope, they eventually put their hopes in the words of fallible men just like themselves, men who spoke visions of their own, of their own mind, and not from the mouth of the Lord. People, as you look back at 2020, has God's word been the source of hope for you? Or have you been turning to the words of fallible men for hope? Do you realize that the God of all authority, his first and primary concern is your hope? He desires that you would have real hope, solid hope, and, and the assurance of a future that will surely come to pass. This is the second question that we can reflect upon. Now let's come and look at the third. Do you despise God's word? Now this is a really strong and harsh sounding question. But I want you to just bear with me as I explain verse 17. In verse 17, God exposes how these false prophets, uh, how they were able to give people vain hopes. And, and there, there, there are two parts to this process. Uh, the first part of that process is that the words of these false prophets, uh, they appeal to the sinful nature of our hearts. And what is that sinful nature? Uh, verse 17 describes it in this way. These false prophets, they say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord and to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say. Now, what does stubbornly following after your own heart have to do with despising God and his word? Now, you see, to, to follow, to stubbornly follow your own heart means that you give the highest value to your way of thinking. It means you prize above all things how you feel about things. It means that you do things your way. And as you continue to stubbornly follow your way, your heart gradually becomes hardened and hardened towards God and against His Word. Now it's just like how a child may grow up to despise her parents. It's not an, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's, it's a gradual process. And are you in that process of despising God's word? You know, in order to stubbornly follow our hearts, we will have to actively, intentionally 
reject and repress God's word again and again and again. And as you do that, you'll find that 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 process gets easier and easier. And before you know it, you'll find yourself rolling your eyes when someone quotes scripture at you. Uh, you find yourself listening, uh, listening to sermons with uh, such cynicism and your mind constantly is actively explaining away every little thing and every little detail in the sermon that doesn't suit you. Now people, this is an immensely demonic process. This is precisely how Eve, a woman without sin, got persuaded to eat the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. Satan led her to undermine God's word, to question God's character, to question his motives, and then led her to elevate her own perspective and her own desires above the will of God. So people, over this past year, have you been stubbornly following your own heart? Have you seen yourself uh, go through that same demonic process that Eve went through? Are you perhaps even at that point where you honestly despise God's word? Now, this is an uncomfortable question, but it is a question that we all honestly need to reflect upon. And this brings me to the final reflection question on our attitude towards the word of God. Do you tire of God's word when it doesn't make you feel good? Now, as I said earlier in verse 17, God exposes uh, the two-part process by which these false prophets uh, give people vain hope. Now, the first part of that process is where these false prophets appeal to the sinful nature of our hearts. But in the second part of this process, these prophets simply go on to say things that make us feel good. And here are some examples that God quotes in verse 17. These prophets say, It shall be well with you, and no disaster shall come upon you. Now again, these false prophets, they were speaking to people who despised God's word. So of course, things are not going to go well with them. Of course, disaster will surely come upon them. But you see, no one wants to hear such things. No one wants to listen to such things. And the Word of God, whether you're reading it at home on your own or whether you're, you're hearing the Word being preached, one of the main goals of the Word of God is to lead us to repentance. The goal is for us to see how great God is and in light of His greatness, to see how wretchedly desperate we are in need of Him and of His grace. The Word of God is meant to direct us, to correct us, and to encourage us in a life of repentance. And many times this is not the most pleasant process. And so 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 tells us this, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. God's teaching is many times not naturally pleasant. There is some degree of endurance that we must exercise in order to receive it faithfully. And the temptation for us along the way is that rather than endure, we instead have itching years. Uh, uh, having itching years, we instead accumulate for ourselves teachers to suit our own passions. 
and we pursue what makes us feel good and we move further and further away from God and uh, His authority and the hope of His Word. And in today's world, you can access all kinds of preaching. You know, preaching that replaces the Word of God with inspiring stories, stories that tell you, you can do it. Or you can, uh, or, or stories, you know, uh, or preaching that replaces the Word of God with motivating stories, stories that tell you, this is how you can do it. Or stories that are touching, stories that tell you, you are fine just the way that you are. Or stories that alarm us and enrage us and stirs up in us a sense of self-righteous anger towards this cause or that matter that is happening outside of us. And these stories tell us that you must take action. You must do this. You must do that. And each of these substitutes, they take the attention away from Jesus and puts the attention on us instead. These stories, they, these, these kinds of preaching, they give the authority to you rather than to the Word of God. And instead of calling you urgently to repentance, they tell you, all is well. Don't worry. No disaster shall fall upon you. God is with you. People, have you been looking for substitutes to God's Word? As you look back at 2020, do you find yourself unwilling to endure sound teaching? Are you tired of God's Word? And this is a tough question, and in truth, all four questions are tough questions. But that is all the more reason why we need to make time to reflect on them, even as the year draws to a close. Now, I want to lead us to verses 28 to 29. And here, I'm going to give us four encouragements in our attitude towards the Word of God as we look forward to 2021 especially. Now the first encouragement that comes to us is this. Be stubborn about God's Word. Earlier in verses 16 to 17, uh, God gave us a negative command. He told us, do not listen to the false prophets. And that was a command not to do something. But now in verses 28 to 29, God gives us a positive command. And it is, it's a command to go and do something. All right? And God says, Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream. But let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. Now God is saying, It doesn't matter what those prophets prophesy. Don't bother about them. Instead, you, you who have my word, you be faithful. Rather than being stubborn in following after your own hearts, you be stubborn to cling onto my word. And this is the same encouragement I want to give to us today. Be stubborn about clinging on to God's word. Let the prophets have their prophecies. Let the dreamers have their dreams. Let the politicians make their promises. Let the visionaries cast their visions. Let the experts give their opinions. Let the pundits make their predictions. Let the teachers and educators do their educating. Let the doctors give their prognoses. And let even your bosses, let them make their demands. But you, you who have the Word of God, you who are near to God's Word, you who have access to the Word of God, you cling to His Word. You cling to His Word. You do not give up. 
You do not become distracted. You cling to His Word. Now, at the beginning of the year, we all embarked on a three-year Bible reading uh, project together. And uh, it was called, or it is called, uh, A Chapter A Day. And with this project, there also came uh, a challenge that was issued to every one of us that we would read every assigned chapter for this first year. And in a couple of days' time, uh, an, an online form will go live so that those of you who have completed this challenge, you can claim uh, your prize. And I think we'll get to hear more about that soon. But I want to encourage all of us, as we begin this second year together, would you commit to reading the Word of God daily and in community? I believe that the chapter a day, uh, this reading plan, is a simple way for us to grow in stubbornly clinging to God's Word. And of course, uh, as with last year, the challenge will continue this year. And so for those of you who managed to complete the assigned readings for the second year, you will get a prize. But prizes aside, sticking through with this reading plan, it is a great, practical and simple way for us to be stubborn about God's Word. And so if you have not already done so, would you download this reading plan and commit this year to stubbornly cling to God's Word. So that was my first encouragement. Now here's the second. Be hypersensitive to the holiness of God's Word. Be hypersensitive to the holiness of God's Word. You know, as God gives this positive command to go and do something, He adds on this very interesting phrase. He says, What has straw in, co in common with wheat. Now, this is not a riddle, all right? God was comparing the words of those false prophets with his own word. And one is like straw, while the other is like wheat. Now, straw here uh, doesn't refer to the drinking straws that we have today. Straw is a, is a, is a golden, hollow stem of grain, all right? It looks like grass. And so, on, on the surface, Straw and wheat, they might seem really similar, but they are actually, in truth, so different. Straw almost has no nutritional value. Wheat, on the other hand, it was the staple food at that time. Now, you could live without straw, but if you lost your harvest of wheat, you were in big trouble. And so, straw was practically worthless. But wheat was fundamentally valuable because everyone needed it. And here, God is revealing the foolishness of rejecting His Word and giving attention to the words of other men. Would you rather eat a loaf of bread or would you rather eat a plate of golden grass? Would you rather invest all your money into wheat or would you rather invest into something worthless like straw? Now the answer is Clearly, wheat is the far, far superior option. And in the same way, the Word of God is superior. The Word of God is valuable. It is precious. And you cannot just compare it with uh, the, the ideas, the opinions, the philosophies, the, the promises that come from man. God's Word is separate. God's Word is of another category. God's Word is holy. God's Word is holy. 
And so the encouragement here is to be hypersensitive to the holiness of God's Word. Elevate the Word of God. Make it prominent in your home. Make it significant in your family. Make it uh, uh, so clearly valuable. And watch out that you do not treat God's Word like any other book. Now, I want to specifically give a call to the parents, fathers, mothers. If your children sense that mommy and daddy are more concerned with their schoolwork rather than with reading the Bible, if your children sense that you give more value to what their school teachers have to say about them rather than what the Bible has to say about them, then what your children are learning from you is that God's Word is not holy. And so please, parents, read the Word of God with your children. Talk about the sermons. Discuss what was taught at the Agape Land or the Rays meetings. Learn to ask your children what the Word of God might have to say uh, about the decisions that they need to make in life. Raise your children to be hypersensitive to the holiness of God's Word. But this encouragement is not just for those of us who have kids. It is for all of us. We must all be hypersensitive, extremely sensitive to the holiness of God's Word. And now we come to the third encouragement. Be reverent at God's Word. Be reverent at God's Word. Because God's Word is holy, we must approach it with respect, with awe, and with reverence. In verse 29, God says, Is not my word like fire? Now, fire has a very special place in the Bible. And the one thing that fire is most compared with is God himself. You know, God appeared as a burning torch before Abraham. He appeared in the burning bush before Moses. He was the pillar of fire before the Israelites in the Exodus. When he descended upon Mount Sinai, he descended in fire. When King Solomon constructed the temple, God fell upon the temple in fire. And near the beginning of the Bible, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, God calls himself a consuming fire. And then towards the end of the Bible, in Hebrews 12, God is again proclaimed as a consuming fire. So when God compares His Word to fire, He is teaching us to approach His Word with that same reverence that we would show God Himself. And so people, do you worship God? Then submit to His Word. Do you love God? Then treasure His Word. Do you fear God? Then tremble at His Word. A simple question for us to reflect on. How do you receive the, the sermons that you hear on Sunday? What is your goal as you sit through each sermon? What do you hope to achieve? You know, the first time I heard a sermon, uh, I was 12 years old, I was in Agape. Uh, my goal at that time was to get through the sermon. I mean, I wasn't used to, to this whole concept of preaching. I couldn't understand what the sermons were about. And so I struggled to follow the sermons and often I would be one of those who fall asleep. And I think Pastor Guna, he would have seen that a fair bit uh, during my teenage years. And those of us who were in the youth ministry at that time, uh, we shared sweets with one another so that we could all stay awake. And then 
we started taking notes, right? And, and personally, that helped me tremendously. It helped me to engage with God's Word. And then I learned to pray before coming to church. And I would ask God to help me to receive the sermon in the way that He would want me to. And through my uh, youth cell group, I learned to share about sermons. I learned to make those connections uh, between the sermons and my own life and how to relate them personally. And then on Sunday evenings, my parents started leading us children to discuss the sermons as well. And over the years, as all these things are going on, my note-taking skills uh, improve and improve. And I wasn't just uh, writing the, the three main points that we would see on the PowerPoint. Uh, I was now paying attention to the scriptures that were being quoted. And I would also want to write down what these scriptures were supposed to mean. And as I took down different points, I would draw little stars uh, next to those pointers that I knew uh, were immediately relevant to my life. And until today, I find that I still have room to grow in my reverence, in the, in the way I take God's word seriously. Over this past month, uh, my wife has introduced me to the practice of reading the Sunday sermon passage uh, on Saturday nights before going to bed. And yeah, I'm, I'm still growing. But the question for all of us is, hey, how can you grow further uh, in your reverence for God's word? How can you take his word more seriously? How can you treat it as life-giving and as holy? Be reverent at God's word. This is the third encouragement. We come now to the fourth and the final encouragement. Be broken under God's word. Be broken under God's word. Now, so far, God has compared his word to wheat. He's compared his, his word with fire. And now in verse 29, God says, Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Now, I believe many of us are familiar with the word of God as food uh, that nourishes us. Uh, many of us might be familiar with the Word of God as the sword of the Spirit that we use to fight off Satan. Many of us might be used to the Word of God as a lamp unto uh, our path that guides us. But not many of us might have heard of God's Word as a hammer. And here, God says His Word is not a hammer for building. Uh, His Word is not a, a battle axe or a battle hammer for, for battle. Uh, God says His Word is like a sledgehammer for breaking. But what is the Word of God meant to break? Well, most obviously, the Word of God is there to break into pieces the lies of Satan, the false promises of false prophets, and the false teaching of false teachers. So the Word of God is meant to be used to destroy every extent deception that we come across outside of us. But the Word of God is also to be used internally for what is inside of us. Now earlier in verse 17, we heard that we do have a stubborn hardness in our heart and that this hardness will grow and grow until we come to totally despise God and His Word. But people, do you know 
what keeps that hardness in check? Do you know what makes our hearts soft again before God? Do you know how, uh, what has the power to smash into pieces the stoniness of our hearts? It is none other than the sledgehammer of God's Word. And sometimes the hammer of God's Word falls upon us supernaturally. As we hear the Word, as we read, you know, sometimes it comes so strongly across and it just destroys every trace of stoniness in our hearts. But more often than not, we are the ones who will need to pick up the Word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, use it to knock away at our stony hearts. Now, like I said earlier, the goal of God's Word is to lead us to repentance. All of life is repentance. And so we need to lay hold of the hammer of God's Word as often as we can so that we might walk in this repentance. And this is why James says, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Be doers of the Word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You know, it was only until I got to know my wife that I saw how poor I was as a doer of the Word. You see, for much of my life, I would read the Bible and I would sit through sermons, but I would only apply the Word of God if something spoke to me. And now what this means is that unless I felt inspired, unless I felt convicted, unless I felt motivated by what I was hearing or reading, unless I felt this divine click in my spirit, I would just carry on with my life. Nothing would change. But people, this is deception. This is confusing knowledge with faith. This is confusing listening with obedience. This is confusing having to endure a 30 plus minute sermon with true repentance. But when I saw how my wife would listen to the sermon a second time or even third time because she couldn't grasp what was being said, when I saw how she would take the effort to ask me and to ask others what certain parts of the passage could mean, and when she would seriously consider how she would need to respond to the word and then go and do it, when I saw that, it was such a shock to me. You know, I was like, wow. I am clearly not a doer of the word. And that's something I, I, have, to, I have been working to improve on. You see, I, I do want my heart to be softened towards God. I do want to know the love of God that makes keeping His commands not burdensome. I, I do want to be sensitive to the brokenness of people around me. I do want to care for others more and to love people more. And I'm sure in the same way, many of you have those desires as well. But if we truly want those things, then we must be broken under God's word. We must take up the hammer of God's word and we must be doers of God's word, not just hearers. And so this is the final encouragement that comes to us from today's passage. Now I've left you and the word of God rather has left you with so much to reflect upon. And on top of that, you've also got a number of ways that you could grow in. Well, the good news is that there are still four more days to the new year. And I want to encourage you to take some time before then 
even to consider how you can grow in the Word of God. But before I go, I want to remind us that we have Jesus. Jesus is the hope that God's Word fills us with. And He is not a vain hope. Jesus is the Word of God that became flesh. And coming to earth, Jesus faced our despise. Jesus faced the stubbornness of our hearts as we pursued our own desires. And yet Jesus did not come to condemn. Jesus came proclaiming that though we be hopeless sinners, it would be well with us, that no disaster shall befall us. And Jesus is the true prophet who not only spoke the word of God to us, but he also bore the judgment of God against us. He lost the wellness of his soul and he bore the disaster that we should face. And Jesus did all of this so that our hearts might be filled with fire for the fiery word of God. He came not only to fulfill the word, but he came to open afresh the word of God to us. And he came so that one day we might say to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while Jesus opened to us the scriptures? People of God, would you join your hearts with mine and let's come before the Lord in prayer. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg.